Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Home Abstract and Title Company was founded in 1867 and is the oldest company still operating in McLennan County. Home Abstract is comprised of a team of honest, friendly, hardworking professionals dedicated to providing both commercial and residential real estate clients with the highest level of communication and service. Their team is committed to working hard and building and maintaining strong relationships because transactions are so much more than just deals. They are clients deserving of the courtesy, care and respect that home abstract and title company is known for visit home abstract and title company at homeabstract.com cross the brazos and waco i'm safe when i reach San Welcome back to the Waco History Podcast. We are well down the trail on the uh, Crossroads series that we're doing here at the Waco History Podcast. It's a well-worn trail. It at is. This a, point. There are ruts uh, in the trail, but but very enriching ruts, wouldn't you say, uh, Rick? I, I think we uh, we have worn out this metaphor, and we will continue to wear it out <laughs> until we're done. That's right. So we, uh, we do this thing where we get into a topic and it's just so rich that it becomes two episodes. And so this is our second of our entertainment episodes. Uh, the first one we did kind of places in Waco entertainment history. And now we're going to do faces in Waco entertainment history. And we wanted to mm-hmm. focus really on music because we got into it. There's all sorts of uh, avenues of entertainment in the arts uh, and in theater but we thought we'd focus on music. And so there was only one guy. There was one guy that we had to bring in for that, Rick. Who is it? Well, um, we looked uh, we looked far and wide, like you said. And uh, uh, there, were, there was an expert that were like, man, we've got to get this guy. Well, he wasn't available. So instead, <laughs> we've got Jim Holmes here. Yeah. Three times down, you had to do that. Right? Yes. The best guy. So, uh, Jim I mean, Holmes. I'm in the top 10 at least. Yes. Right? Lo- local investment banker and a city councilman. Civil Waco city servant. Councilman. Yes. 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 I'm Jim Holmes, a Waco city councilman um, uh, here in Waco, um, and also an investment banker is my background, financial operations. And uh, I happen to love music. I happen to love music. I was raised in a musical family. My, Where, where'd you grow up? Uh, rural Nebraska. Out, you know, Which is really known for its music. It is, you know, especially out in birthplace of the blues. Yes, uh, yeah, birthplace. <laughs> Omaha actually does have some pretty good, uh, pretty good music scene. But uh, my mo- mom played piano, my dad played guitar, my older we all had some instrument to play. We were all in the marching band and all that stuff. But I, I played guitar. My older sister played piano, as my mother and father both did. Um, and uh, we were out on the farm just making music, you know. It was uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was a lot of fun. You had to make your own entertainment. Well, you know, he yeah. did actually mm-hmm. in in, in uh, rural Nebraska up there, out in the plains. And then in college, you you were part of a 
rock and roll band. Right? Went uh, went through uh, high school, played the trombone in the marching band, and then went to uh, Creighton University and started a little band there. There was a couple guys from Chicago. They were actually accomplished guitar players. I was just sort of learning. And so, yeah, we had a little rock and roll band and uh, rock and blues and played uh, a lot of music from some of the people we're going to be talking about today. And if somebody wants to go to Spotify, what would be the name of that band? So they yeah. can pull The name up of your the band, music? we had several different names, uh, RT. <laughs> had to keep changing uh, we it. Had, we had one step ahead of the uh, angry crowd. Um, we were called uh, Jacks for a while. We were called Bent Axe. For a while. Wow, now that's, we that sounds pretty <laughs> that was a little serious. Yeah, It was. But uh, we weren't, technically we were pretty good, but we, we kind of played what we liked, you know, and we weren't playing a lot of the covers. We played a lot of blues and jazz and uh, rock and blues, so. Okay. Definitely a, a kind of a fraternity band, uh, mm. weddings and stuff like that in the Omaha, greater Omaha area. Wow, wow. And do y'all still do weddings now? Yeah. Yeah, we, I, I, I pull the guitar out and uh, we'll okay. you know play some tunes. So so fast forward, you find yourself in Waco. This is where you you build your professional career, and um, where where did you dive into the scene here in Waco? What what got you into music in Waco? Um, uh, came down here to go to Baylor Law School, you know, yeah. a long time ago, uh, and then. Uh, uh, really joined a bank and was had a very have had a very rewarding career going all over the world uh, uh, in our investment banking deal in Europe and South America and Mexico and Japan and Thailand all over the place. Sounds so, like a real crossroads type of uh, career. Exposed there. to a lot of different types of music. Yeah, uh, Rick and uh, and and really here just in the last uh, eight or ten years have gotten into. The local blues. Mm. We'll be talking about that here in in, in this uh, episode, because um, I, I, I like uh, the, the blues music. To me, is the base of uh, rock and roll music and all different kinds of music. Ultimately, it's kind of the root uh, commonality of uh, of a lot of the different music that we hear. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, some of the uh, some of the uh, founders of what was known as blues music. There's kind of a Delta blues and there's a Texas blues and there's mm. Chicago blues. Mm -hmm. And the founding uh, uh, of this Texas blues, a lot of it was right here in Waco, Texas. Mm. So it became interesting to me as uh, as time went by, as I lived here in Texas, to kind of discover who some of these folks were and how rich uh, the, the local music history is when you kind of do a little bit of research. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, um, you know, I thought Stephen, I thought it'd be good to maybe start with some of the early uh, faces, the early people we know about that uh, were musically inclined in Waco, and we'll build into this, you know, point where he was just talking about and let let him uh, take us down the journey of uh, how the blues got going here in Waco. Uh, that sounds good. We have, we have told Jim he doesn't have to be comprehensive, so I, I do want to point out his Explore the Brazos Valley Blues Trail uh, piece that he wrote for Waco Today. And so you can go see a picture of him with a bent axe uh, uh, on the cover of that. But you can hear more about uh, the research uh, Jim has done if we don't get all of it to all of it today. Great. Thanks so, for the plug. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, again, you haven't monetized it much, much like this enterprise. <laughs> and we are leaning on Jim's civil service gene rather than his investment banker gene <laughs> right. to appear on the Waco History Podcast. 
Uh, so if we want to start at the beginning, Rick, where who would we start with? Well, you, you know, think? when I looked at uh, individuals uh, or, or looking through the history, early 1800s, the name that kept coming up that people loved having come play at their events, whether they were reunions or, or um, you know, weddings or whatever was going on in the community, was Uncle Dan McLennan. Mm-hmm. I think we mentioned him. We have, yeah. Yeah. Um, he he uh, was originally uh, a slave uh, in the Neil McLennan family mm-hmm. and uh, came here and homesteaded with them. If everybody remembers, Neil McLennan was was the first settler uh, in in what is McLennan County and obviously got named after him kind of over in the South Bosky River, Hog Creek area, mm-hmm. if you're thinking uh, about that. But a very in-demand fiddle player, I think. Yeah, so Uncle Dan McLennan, yeah. Reunion, A natural player. Different events, yeah. Um, yeah, and really, even there's there's a great uh, Gildersleeve photo. We like referring to some of those photos uh, of, of one of these reunion events, and here, there he is, front and center mm-hmm. in, the, in the crowd. Uh, they... Uh, it, it was written about him. He carried around his his fiddle and a and a flower sack, and was always ready to let it go. And and his family, his children, also uh, would get, got involved as time went on, and and were, you know, they had a, a accomplished. Sounds like um, the Holmes family out in Nebraska, right? They were they were everybody exactly. could play an instrument, and you put them together, and you'd get some beautiful music. Quite mm-hmm. similar, quite similar, because I had a grandfather too that that uh, had a the, the, my uncles and my grandfather had a band back in the early twenties, uh, the fiddle and a banjo and a guitar, and you're right, yeah. there's all different kinds of, and as you read about uh, Uncle Dan, um, you, you see that the the kind of events that he played at were just like family gatherings you know, mm-hmm. for uh, harvest kind of deals, and and that's where where people gathered and where people wanted entertainment, and if you could play. Uh, you were uh, appreciated. Yeah. Well, and <clears throat> Stephen, you may not realize this. They didn't have uh, iPhones back then. Really? Yeah. Hard no, no. They didn't have a playlist. Really? They didn't have a, they even they didn't I, have a radio. I assume even. Gildersleeve used an iPhone yeah. with all those pictures he took. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, it was a different culture then. I mean, people mm-hmm. made their own music and singing was a was singing and playing instruments was a you know, they had to make their own fun, as we say today. So one of the treats, uh, listener, we have for you in this episode is we're going to drop several pieces of audio in. So get your Spotify up. You're going to be creating your Waco playlist as we go. <laughs> uh, if you want, you'll pick up some Waco artists as we go. Unfortunately, we do not have a recording of Uncle Dan. Yes. I'm a clown. No, that would, that would be special. There. Um, um, here's another, uh, actually a band, Alessandro's Band. So, uh, in the early 1900s, it's refer- referenced in a couple times in the in the handbooks that that uh, we've discussed in the past. Mm-hmm. So, Alessandro's band. It was a uh, uh, Victor Alessandro Alessandro Senior was of Sicilian descent. Not real sure how he ended up in Waco, but um, it talks about them giving free concerts on Sundays in Cameron Park. So, kind of the precursor to the uh, what what does the city call that? Uh, Jim, the Brazos Knights, precursor of the Brazos Knights, <clears throat> and uh, also played the Cotton Palace. Um, uh, and and uh, I found a picture of the whole band. There's about 25 of them. I mean, it was not an insignificant band. And uh, the, the other thing that uh, came up was once World War II started, in mass, the whole group joined the Army, joined the, or the National Guard, I think, and 
they were all sent down to Marfa to, uh, I don't know, to entertain the troops. I'm not real sure what kind of fighting force Alessandro's band really was. But uh, uh, and then after that, uh, Alessandro ended up moving to uh, to Houston. The family, actually, uh, there, there's a interesting connection later on in uh, in history that I'll I'll come back to Alessandro's son. But um, anyway, early early known band here in Waco. So Alessandro's son is going to re- reappear in this episode organically. It's going to pop back up again. Yes, that's a cliffhanger. Just to kind of okay, keep yeah, excited, so keep, keep listening, listening to find yeah. out what happens. <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, so Jules Bledsoe is a name that must be mentioned. Mm, absolutely. Uh, did have an episode uh, with Horace Maxiel from a uh, uh, professor from Baylor who has done a lot of research into uh, Jules Bledsoe's compositions. He was also a composer along with the singer. Uh, one of the things that we didn't talk about, of course, the famous Broadway, Broadway star uh, known for playing Joe uh, in Showboat and that song, Rick, Old Man River. Yeah. So one of the things we did not do is we did not play some audio uh, in our first episode of Jules Bledsoe. So let's rectify that by listening to Mr. Bledsoe now. So what do you think, Rick? What do you think? We're now, now hearing Jules Blood. So, yeah, I mean, I've got to admit, uh, having lived in Waco all these years, uh, until I was preparing to do this podcast, I'd never gone back and listened to an original uh, Jules Bledsoe version of that song. And, mm-hmm. and so really it, it's, uh, um, it grabs you. I mean, he's, he's very talented mm-hmm. and of course re- recording audio, I mean, quality and all that stuff was much different than, uh, than it is now. So, you know, it, it, it'd be, um, it would have been awesome to be in a live audience as he was delivering that. Yeah. You just heard a clip from one of the first talkies. And so it's a, 
It's an old clip of Bledsoe from the 20s and pretty yeah, rough. Because yeah. I'm sure, man, because he did a lot of opera, did a lot of, I mean, oh, he, yeah. his voice, I'm sure, was very strong and could carry. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also, in, in studying a little bit about the guy, very accomplished academically. I mean, he could mm-hmm. have been, I think he was studying to, to be a doctor, to do something in medicine before uh, he switched and went full-time uh, into music. But, you know, very talented guy with with um, uh, a connection to New Hope Baptist Church, mm-hmm. which which uh, is going to be a, a, a theme here. I think there's a lot of our artists that have come out of Waco that uh, came out of that out of that church, out yeah, of the congregation. It reminds you how simple, how central that New Hope was in the African-American community. His grandfather was a founder, one of the founders of New Hope. He grew up singing in New Hope Baptist Church. So it is an epicenter uh, of uh, black music uh, in Waco. Yeah. Yeah, he's a pretty impressive guy. Like you were pointing out, R.T., the... He's about, he went to Columbia University and studied medicine. And uh, and so he's got a brilliant mind, obviously. He was also in ROTC, so he had a little bit of military background. Mm-hmm. Spoke several languages. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy could do it all. A composer. He wrote a full opera. Um, just a, an amazing individual, as well as a fantastic singer. Yeah. Unfortunately, life cut short. Um, so in, in 1943, while he was doing his patriotic duty out helping sell war bonds, um, he died, uh, died tragically in that while traveling, I guess he would have been, uh, not, not very old, le- uh, less than 50. What? Yeah. 46, yeah. 46. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the next figure that we've got, uh, here, uh, that we want to make sure we talk about, and this is, a, another, uh, an international, um, Jules Bledsoe was a, definitely a national name. But he he shapes that character in the in the original production of Showboat. Uh, but Hank Thompson, William Henry Hank Thompson, uh, the King of Western Swing, mm-hmm. uh, born in Waco in 1925. Yeah, so uh, he was so talented uh, that he had his own radio show while he was in high school. He uh, on on WACO he would uh, do do the show. Um, I think it was in the mornings, and then go to school the rest of the day. Um, and uh, you know how much I love alliteration. Um, I've been a big fan uh, since way back. So it was Hank the Hired Hand was the name oh, of uh, yeah uh, Hank Thompson's radio show. Yeah. Do you use alliteration often? Uh, anytime I can. Yeah, yeah. I, I commend yeah. you for that. Yeah. That's great. Um, like a lot of a lot of uh, young men in his generation, ended up serving a World War II. And uh, when he came back after the war, got a slot on KWTX where he performed and uh, had a band called the Brazos Valley Boys. KWTX did a lot of early programming um, that, uh, that like, helped, helped propel a lot of these folks. Um, so the signature song of uh, Hank Thompson was The Wild Side of Life. And so let's mm-hmm. listen to... The cut of that now. You wouldn't read my letter if I wrote you. You asked me not to call you on the phone. 
But there's something I'm wanting to tell you So I wrote it in the words of this song I didn't know God made honky-tonk angels I might have known you'd never make a wife You gave up the only one that ever loved you And went back to the wild side of life not a lot of good life advice in there, but it was a, <laughs> it's a catchy tune. It's amazing. It's a fantastic tune. Mm-hmm. I didn't know God made honky-tonk angels. You know, that's the, <laughs> that started a whole thing. And oh, so, yeah. And this guy, you think about his impact, being from Waco here, Brazos Valley Boys, really kind of started the country-western uh, genre. And uh, 14 years in a row, number one country-western band, uh, and you think about that in the terms of like a Garth Brooks or a right. uh, George Strait, put those guys together and you'd have a Hank Thompson. Yeah. And uh, uh, and, and he kind of developed his sound out of the Bob Wills sound. We'll talk about Gimbal here in a little while, but uh, just uh, creating a new sound of country that had the country western swing in it and also incorporated uh, other other uh, styles. Yeah, they were heavily influenced. I mean, we were by the blues and by uh, performers from all different cultures, right? Yeah, absolutely. Another smart guy too. He went to Princeton, and uh, was a, was studying to be an electrical engineer. Mm. So, I mean, these guys uh, that uh, are are brilliant musicians. Uh, it's just not, they don't roll out of bed. They're pretty smart people. And they, <laughs> they, uh, they, Unlike they podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. But uh, just you, you read about this guy's career, it almost seems impossible because uh, some of us, some of us, some people in Wake aren't even aware of who Hank Thompson oh, was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and he, he was so Waco centric, also. And uh, I remember seeing Hank Thompson on. I think it was the the Hee Haw. Do y'all remember the Hee Haw? Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd have a, his Gibson guitar that he played had his name like imprinted on the fretboard. Hank Thompson. He was one of the first guys to really. Uh, create kind of an image around his music too with the cowboy right. stuff and the strings and the hat and all that stuff. But anyway, also a great musician. And uh, God uh, made Honky Tonk Angels and became sort of a, a linchpin to other people's careers too. Kitty Wells uh, recorded a song uh-huh. that was in response to that. that yeah. was, uh, also a big hit. But anyway, big, big, uh, big name in the Waco music history. Right. Yeah, he uh, uh, in the country country music hall of fame. He's a hall of famer. Mm-hmm. Uh, significant, and uh, also in the national Nashville songwriters hall of fame. Um, so it wasn't just us who thought he was good. Yeah, no, no. There's a lot of dittos out there. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had seen his last performance was in 2007. So uh, in his 80s, uh, still still performing here in Waco, right? Heart of Texas Coliseum, yeah. Fair yeah. rodeo, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, passed away a few days later. It, it, so in that same vein, um, in that same genre, for sure, Johnny Gimbel. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, he wasn't born in Waco. He was born in Tyler in 1926. Grew up in uh, Bascom. And uh, he, he eventually made his, Waco, made his way to Waco, but he was a... 
a member of Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys. You mentioned them a minute ago, Jim. Um, and, uh, and and Wills himself wasn't too far from being a Wicoan, mm-hmm. born in Cossie, Texas. Yeah. So not too far from here. And, uh, um, you know, there's, there's a great, all these guys have a great journey of how they ended up getting into music, right? Mm-hmm. It's, and we really don't have enough time. I mean, you could dive down and do complete episodes on these individuals. Oh, sure. And we probably will at some point. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're cutting out a lot of great stuff. But just to say, uh, uh, Mr. Gimbel moved, moved uh, to Waco in 1955. And I love this. He split his time between doing music and running his barber shop over by the <laughs> Waco VA. Just, it's amazing. Yeah, love that. Um, and this is why after he's achieved a, a high level of you know technical proficiency in his field right, as, a, right. as, a, as a five-string fiddler and, and a session guy. Yeah. And uh, um, and really taking back that uh, Texas swing with Bob Wills, and he was, uh, uh, John Gimble was Bob Wills' fiddle man. You know, and, and it was, uh, he's kind of what made Texas swing because that whole, uh, they call it breakdown uh, style mm. of Johnny Gimbel's where he would just kind of do double time playing. He was so good right. uh, that he would, uh, he kind of created his own style and kind of took off a while and ran the barbershop. It, it always amazes me to, to, uh, to consider that. Well, it's, it's probably like we think of today, you know, professional athletes. 30 years ago, they couldn't make enough as a professional athlete just to be a professional exactly. athlete. But, uh, you know, today it's a much different story. Um, so Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, Country Music Hall of Fame, uh, recognized uh, by the two big ones uh, as far as the Hall of Fames for music. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be fun. Let's just take a beat here and listen to a uh, little Johnny Gimble fiddling around. fiddling round I bought me a house for nothing down My wife makes the payments while I'm fiddling round Was fantastic and that's a that's from the honeysuckle rose soundtrack if you remember that willie nelson movie honeysuckle rose from 1980 nice john gimbel was one of the uh, he went to nashville for a, a period of time and was one of the most sought after session guys to play fiddle too so mm-hmm. i mean he, he was a again a technically proficient guy who kind of created his own style and his son was also uh yeah and still plays dick gimbel was to, instructor at MCC for a long time to help. They've got a commercial music department, which I, I think is only one of a, a handful of those in the state mm. um, that he helped run and, and an accomplished musician himself. And his son is our district clerk. <laughs> 
John yeah, Gimble. There you go. Mm-hmm. Another public servant. We got to put out the some shout out <laughs> for my fellow public servants. Yes. Um, well, we're getting to, we're getting to the fifties, uh, so we got to give Elvis a nod. Elvis has his own episode uh, on the podcast, which you can you can check out that. Uh, but yes, is oh, hold on, is Elvis yeah. from Waco? Uh, Elvis so. is Elvis is from Riesel. Uh, most people don't know that. <laughs> um, that's got why we're banana not... peanut butter sandwiches over. <laughs> and you call yourself yeah. a historian? <laughs> it's around Riesel. Uh, I think it's in rural Riesel. Yeah. Uh, um, no, uh, but it, Fort Hood, uh, as those of you the uninitiated don't know, uh, when Elvis was stationed in Fort Hood, he he loved to come up uh, to Waco. Yeah, uh, the Fidals, right? Uh-huh. Eddie Fidal. That's right. Where they, they'd yeah. uh, known each other somewhere in his career and connected. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he actually played a concert here in 1956 at the HOT Coliseum. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where he connected with Fidal. Um, yeah, that it, and, and it's hard to... How, how big was Waco at the time, you'd think? 50,000 people? Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 40, 50,000 mm-hmm. people. And to have someone coming into town regularly for um, of the, that kind of of, of uh, exposure, you know, fame, whatever, because mm-hmm. he was already doing movies and stuff by then. Oh right? yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure that was uh, um, created a lot of buzz. In I, bet. I bet. I um, bet. I will say the crossroads here for me anyway came when uh, as a city councilman. The short-term rental. It's an air. It's on Airbnb. Anybody can go stay at Elvis Presley's. Uh, where uh, in the Fadal House? That's there. right. The we, Janice Fadal. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and we approved that short-term rental. So, just <laughs> so contributing to the music history. Of you're Waco, connected Texas. to Elvis. I'm in totally. Some way. Yeah. Connected. Yeah. That that's great. Well, tell us a little bit about about how the blues got going in in Waco and and some of that history. Yeah, and I was as I was saying earlier, the the when you stay around Waco long enough and you're interested in that genre of music, you realize that um, the pretty good case could be made for Waco being the I like to call Waco the gateway to the Brazos Valley blues. Mm. In, in in competition, when a lot of people think of the blues, uh, they think of the Delta blues, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. You know, and there is there indeed is a good culture of 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 music there. Um, but I would uh, put up the Brazos Valley Blues against the Delta Blues any day. And just... Uh, well, so so for the uninformed, what would the differences be? Could you... Probably a little more of a country feel, I would say. And I don't know, it's kind of hard to... You got to listen to the music and yeah. and, and kind of you can hear the differences between uh, Mississippi and, and Texas to the trained ear, RT. Anyway, as you... Uh, as you uh, uh, Spend more time waking. You see it, uh, and 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 read about uh, the father of the Texas country blues is uh, a guy named Blind Lemon Jefferson, who uh, grew up just outside of Waco to the east, actually, a ways. And he is uh, he's the guy who um, they p- played. You know and what they did back then is you you went and kind of followed the uh, and Waco being where it is. You followed the the cotton harvest mm. from south to north along the Brazos River, and, and Waco mm-hmm. is the center of uh, cotton, as 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 we all know, uh, back in the turn of the century. And um, as that came through Waco, people, the, or as the whole harvest moved from south to north, um, buskers and uh, people uh, entertained uh, folks who were uh, bringing their cotton to market. Right, and Waco was right. the biggest cotton market in Texas, so. 
Hmm. A lot of musicians uh, made uh, made money uh, uh, being here. In, 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 uh, yeah, you got to like follow it. where the people are. And Absolutely. That, that makes sense. Absolutely. Blind Lemon Jefferson was one of the first uh, people to uh, to uh, record for a, a national uh, recording. Some of it, and his music is, he was great technically, Very again, a very proficient musician. And uh, he came through Waco. Uh, and there are uh, stories about he him coming through Waco on the Interurban Railroad uh, to mm. Dallas to record yeah, yeah, up yeah. there. And uh, again, just a great uh, composer. Matchbox, Matchbox Blues, Blake's Black Snake Moan, uh, and See That My Grave Is Kept Clean are some of his his uh, his uh, more memorable songs. Um, and a lot of people recorded him too. Bob Dylan, The Beatles, a uh, number of people recorded mm-hmm. wow. Um, the the more Waco guy that that I like to talk about, and we I don't think we recognize him enough is a guy named Mercy D. Walton, who was born in 1915. Um, he was a piano player and a songwriter, and he uh, uh, raised in uh, in a farming family, um, and uh, he also played it. They called ten cent house parties and country suppers in the tw- in the early 20s and 30s. Uh, he moved to California to record. Uh, but eventually became uh, a classic uh, in the blues genre, One Room Country Shack. Uh, that was a top 10 uh, hit in uh, 1953, and now a blues standard. And uh, the cool thing about uh, Mercy D. Walton, when you try to figure out where he was raised here in uh, Waco, his last known residence was uh, 921 South 2nd Street, and uh, in that part of town, homes were just were uh, torn down mm-hmm. to make room for Baylor. Yeah. And uh, Baylor University, if you go to where that 921 South 2nd Street was, it uh, is the home of Glennis McCreary Music Building. I was about to say, that that puts it right close to the, which is better because right across from it was the engineering building and that wouldn't have been a good no, story. No, no, yeah, no yeah. poetic symmetry yeah, there at yeah. all. So that's yeah. really interesting it's kind of cool yeah we need a plaque there we need that that would be yeah. i would lead that charge yeah 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 well let's let's listen since you mentioned it uh, uh jim it's such a, a blues standard let's listen to a little bit of one room country shack now from nowhere in this one room country little shack sitting here a thousand miles from nowhere in this one room country little shack Lord my only worthy procession is a raggedy old foot cotton sack I wake up every night around midnight people I just can't sleep no more I wake up every night around midnight people I just can't sleep no more Crickets and frogs to keep me company, and the wind howling round my. Nose. The piano playing on that 
amazing. The, the intro to uh, to uh, One Room Country Jack is an amazing. Uh... Now, some some of these, as we're we're listening, to some of these clips, like I found good stuff uh, on YouTube of Gimbal playing, you mm-hmm. know, on on Hee Haw or other shows. Uh, do, do you are, are some of these artists uh, you're talking about, Jim? Are they? Can you find? clips of them actually playing now i mean the, the trouble with the blues uh uh kind of condition i'll say is a lot of these guys you know had some very proficient again very good musicians but they and they had their flash in the pan but uh they didn't uh make a ton of money right and so they uh most of these now uh, vinyl you know records mm-hmm. or acetate if you, if you go back to the 20s and 30s uh, you can definitely get their music. Not no uh, very little video of these guys. Yeah. Um, the, the, and I'll just talk about two more. Um, and the second one is another blind guy, Blind Willie Johnson, who's just down the road in uh, Marlin Pendleton. And this guy, uh, kind of again was a pioneer in uh, the blues field in more of a gospel, and that's a whole other genre we can get into. I know Bob Darden over at Baylor uh, is the, the most the brilliant most brilliant guy on the planet about that stuff. But this guy kind of was a crossover guy, blues gospel, and and he uh, he was known to have been in Waco too uh, during uh, cotton harvest. Right. Plant primarily was down in Marlin, but would come up here while the the cotton harvest was going on. Um, he is famous for um, a, a song called "Dark Was the Night, Cold Was the Ground." Was the ground, and he's that song that clip was put on the. Uh, the Voyager spacecraft. They picked 27 songs that, that they felt represented. The now, don't US. assume everyone here knows what the Voyager spacecraft is. See, it's out there. It's a long ways away. I was yeah, it's, it's, past it's, Pluto it's, now, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so that was in the 70s? Yeah, late 70s. The, uh, I yeah, think NASA's, the first Star Trek uh, gave us the answer to what happened to the Voyager Starker. <laughs> now, now you're giving references that, references yeah. that are, no one's going to know. So, <laughs> But yes, it was a... Uh, a, a mission to send a satellite out there into deep space and learn everything and basically give signposts. So mm-hmm. that's the one where the famous Leonardo da Vinci mm-hmm. guy, you know, uh, yeah. man with his arms out, you know, you're making a, a gesture that they can't see. Uh, this is a podcast. Huh? Okay. I'm glad you told me that. All right. So I'll go over the one. Two other guys right quick. Then one of them is from Downsville, right down the street, South third. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Tomcat Courtney. Uh, and I actually did get to meet this guy. Oh, he wow. He was at the age of 92. Oh, my goodness. He was still gigging in San Diego once a week. Wow. At, at the Proud Mary uh, Lounge. And uh, just a good guy. And he he, had, he was very interesting to talk to and talk, told me all about the history of, of, of his, uh, of his um, experience in the blues field. And was really a leader in the in, uh, moving this a lot of folks uh, that weren't finding jobs here in texas were moving to southern california um as mercy d walton did as as did uh as did tomcat um but his, the the interesting thing about him he saw his family back here in waco and his uh his sister is uh uh belongs to the church out there on in downsville i got to visit with her too his grant his father uh was one of the people who died in the uh, tornado that were oh, wow. what seventy years ago? Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this week I think. Yeah, and it, uh, his name is on the uh, is on the uh, plaque down there by the in downtown Waco. Anyway, yeah. Uh, and the last guy I'll talk about, he, and the reason I bring him up is a classy blue who uh, mm. 
also passed away in these last two years. It's a shame, really, because uh, we're going to talk about Billy Joe Shaver, Classy Ballou, and uh, Tomcat Courtney all have passed in these last two years and some mm-hmm. uh, really great Waco musicians. Um, but uh, Classy was uh, actually born in Louisiana, but it called Waco home since the early 60s. And uh, he was the band leader at uh, Walker's Auditorium, which... Uh, which we talked about last episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, uh, as you know, all the great... Uh, uh, blues players and uh, 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 came through. B.B. King, I can Tina Turner, Otis Redding, all those folks came through there. And he was the head of the house band there. Just a really cool guy. And uh, was happy as a councilman to uh, have a classy balloon. I think we actually did it twice. <laughs> uh, just a, 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 a gentleman and a, the guy could play anything. He was, a, he was technically a great um, Zydeco player mm. and blues player. But uh, at his comp at his uh, concerts, he just did requests. If you wanted him to play ABBA, he would play ABBA, you know, <laughs> which was a shame. As a as a technical good blues, I was always disappointed when somebody wanted to play Beach Boys or something. But anyway, uh, those are a few of the the blues guys right here in Waco that uh, I think contributed to the the history of the genre and really makes Waco what I would call a gateway to the Brass Valley blues. Wow, I like that and. Um, you've got a great, uh, if, if the listeners can find your article, there's a, a great map that you show that Brazos Valley and, and show, uh, you know, pictures of all these folks up and down the Brazos. Yep. And, and it is interesting to think back, you know, tying this into the crossroads and history of other things in, in the cotton, the cotton culture mm-hmm. that pervaded this area, right? Cause the, uh, cotton was mainly grown in the bottomlands along mm-hmm. the river. Yep. Um, so probably very similar to the Mississippi Delta. I mean, just that the concentration of talent uh, just happened to be there because of these other factors. Absolutely. And, and, and the hotbed of gospel coming together with country, coming together with uh, a little bit of rock and roll, and mm. it just the, the made the Texas country blues. It was that very pathway. Right, mm. right. Um, Okay, let me take us to a completely different genre real quick. Okay. Waco Symphony Orchestra. You know, I wonder what happened to Alessandro's son. But I was, I was wondering, you keep going. You keep going. Okay, so, hey, I forgot yeah. about that. Um, well, the beginnings of the Waco Symphony Orchestra, I think, are, are interesting. There was a uh, an immigrant, uh, Max Reeder, who came to Waco in 1939. He was escaping fascism um, in uh, in Europe. And he was an accomplished conductor in Europe, but didn't really have a gig here. Well, he uh, he he somehow knew the Steinway family mm-hmm. and the piano people. the piano people, and they told him we sell more Steinway pianos per capita in Texas than anywhere else. Hmm. So that led him to come to Texas. He had some names and some connections, you know, just taking a train through through Texas, just trying to find a place to land. Gets off the train here in Waco. Um, recognizes a name on a door that was one of the names of his uh, on his list of people to connect with, and uh, so he um, connects with this uh, this lady. I can't remember her name now, but but she she quickly got together her friends and other patrons who were really excited about this opportunity. You know, got the the music department at Baylor. They pulled together an orchestra, and Max uh, Reeder led this orchestra, and. Uh, uh, it was a huge success. Everybody liked it. 1,500 people show up mm. for this first concert. Um, 
Incidentally, he also, uh, someone from San Antonio, uh, here's that, they ended up hiring him as their, uh, as their um, conductor in San Antonio. So from best what I can tell, he kind of did double duty. He, he would lead, uh, mm-hmm. lead it here, lead also in, in San Antonio. And, um, uh, but eventually in 1950, he, uh, he had some health issues, he actually ends up passing away. Um, the, the Waco Symphony Orchestra here in, in Waco uh, has a little bit of a gap. So it's not again until 1963 that they uh, actually pull together the, the orchestra again with a new conductor. And then it's kind of continued on to, to today's organization. But you're probably wondering where yeah, Victor I've, Alessandro I've been, comes I've been in that. preoccupied with that. Yeah, it's, it's come up a couple times. Well, uh, he was actually born in Waco, junior. You know, senior was the leader of the uh, of the band back in the 19-teens. Uh, while he was in Waco, he had a son, uh, Alessandro Jr., who became a very accomplished musician and where he studied. Uh, and at age 22, he became the, the conductor at the Oklahoma City Symphony Orchestra and became an understudy of Max Reeder in San Antonio a few hmm. years later. So when... When Reeder passed away in 1950, uh, Alessandro took over uh, that season and then became the permanent conductor and was very accomplished. So, oh, wow. Amazing. Uh, of yeah. Waco and uh, that uh, circle of life. Yeah. yeah. Did, did some great things. I don't know how you knew he was going to come up again, but it's like you knew. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. when you write it down yeah. on paper, <laughs> kind of follow the paper. But anyway. Well, I'm happy to say that the Waco Symphony are symphony orchestra is still going strong today yeah mm-hmm. and it's uh uh after after a 10-year hiatus daniel sternberg took over for a long time and then uh stephen hyde became the maestro for i think another 25 years after that but mm-hmm. he just retired this past season so they're uh, uh there's we're gonna have a new we're gonna have a new uh right uh, they've been auditioning maestro. people this, mm-hmm. this i think they've narrowed it down to four and yeah uh, we should we should uh, but i bet I've been a, a, a supporter of that for 25 years, and it's just uh, live music and that kind of music. It's just it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, always a fun night when you can uh, listen to some classical music right here in Waco. Yeah. Well, another luminary, Waco luminary that doesn't get enough credit, uh, as you were talking about, um, Mercy D earlier, uh, is Tom Wilson. Uh, and I think there's been a bit of a revival in the last couple of years, our, our podcast, we did an episode on him uh, way back, you know, probably three years ago with the series that uh, Keep Waco Loud was doing on Tom Wilson to draw attention to his legacy. But that is Tom Wilson. So when did you discover uh, Tom Wilson, Jim? Um, uh, I was a big Frank Zappa fan, actually, uh-huh, uh, absolutely. which was kind of in his maybe third iteration of what uh, yeah. all the things Tom Wilson did and, and just uh, studying his history is so interesting. And, and uh, another Harvard, a Harvard guy, yeah. another well-educated guy. Who and just product music. of New Hope Baptist church, mm-hmm. a, a local guy and, and a church going dude. And his father was the uh, choir director and his grandfather was a college professor. Mm-hmm. Um, went to Harvard and then uh, uh, I guess the stuff that he did in the fifties kind of interests me. John Coltrane is one of the best saxophone players ever. Mm-hmm. He uh, helped produce a couple of his albums. And then in the sixties, uh, really seminal recordings with, uh, with Bob Dylan uh, and three of his first four albums were produced by mm. uh, 
uh, Bob Dylan's first albums were produced by uh, Mr. Wilson. And uh, like a Rolling Stone. I mm -hmm. mean, just, I mean, you don't connect the two. Uh, but And then you go to Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, and Sounds there. of Silence, yeah. These are like, you hear that Very song every day. Very different sounds, yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, kind of a folk and then, and, and then a pop stuff. And then what he did, I would say, in the third part of his career was the more avant-garde. Uh, if you know, do you, are you a big Frank Zappa fan, RT? Um, you are? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, mm. I, back in the, the 80s, when I was to him, but, He was uh, more of a moon zapper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Second generation. Yeah. Well, yeah, Mother's Invention. I don't, you couldn't get any more different. To yeah. Me yeah, yeah. Almost all three of them, Coltrane being a more pure jazz guy, uh, Dylan uh, and uh, Simon and Garfunkel being a little more pop and folk, mm -hmm. and then the Mother's Invention and Velvet Underground, yeah. which is Lou Reed and Sweet Jane and... Uh, that to me is just a whole different direction. It shows you how creative this guy's mind uh, was, mm -hmm. and and really what an entrepreneur the guy was. And he was he, he was confident in himself to kind of take chances on these different uh, genres of, of music, and right. with a high level of success. Right. Um, just an amazing guy. Yeah. So I'll get you to put your city hat on. Are, are we? Are there any efforts to kind of recognize Tom Wilson? We need to. We need okay. To. I know that we're doing a lot yeah. of, of of work in music right now. You mentioned the Keep Waco Loud yeah. effort, and uh, which I'm a supporter of. And yeah, anything we can do to celebrate all these musicians mm -hmm. and producers. Even this, this guy wasn't necessarily Mr. Wilson was more of a producer, mm -hmm. but man, he he knew music. He knew good right. music. Yeah. What a heritage. Yeah. Yep. Uh, ironically, similar to uh, Bledsoe, he died early mm -hmm. at age forty-seven. So no telling if he was able to uh, continue on a full life. What what other uh, great artists he would have produced? And he's uh, also buried here in, in uh, Waco mm -hmm. too. I've always thought that we need to create like a little. I was thinking blues trail, but just mu Waco musician trail. Uh, yeah. Not necessarily, you know, where people were buried, but people were A crossroads of sorts? Yeah, yeah. there. That's, yeah. that's what I was looking for. <laughs> it's been trademarked. <laughs> <laughs> but there's yeah. like a dozen places where we could just, as yeah. people are going to Magnolia or whatever else they're doing yeah. there in Waco, let's, uh, let's open up the music history of, of Waco. Well, you know who's not buried anywhere? Willie Nelson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still, still growing strong, but he's yeah. got a Waco connection, right? right? Yeah, grew yeah. up in Abbott, Texas. Mm-hmm. Just uh, just north of town, and uh, you know, worked here quite a bit as a uh, youngster, and um, came back from the military. Went to Baylor for a couple years. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he's he's got some strong ties to Waco. Mm -hmm. That's a full episode uh, waiting to happen at some point. Just on Willie's Baylor years, I would think. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You you know when they. <clears throat> When you're a freshman at Baylor, they don't really tell you that. They don't, you know, they you talk about all the famous people that came through Baylor. They yeah, don't. that's they don't foreground Willie. No, uh, no, they really don't. Uh, yeah, and in fact, there's a, there's there's probably a whole group of people here. We we could probably mention some names and not try dive near as deep into, but mm -hmm. there's there's definitely a lot of uh, quality musicians that have um, spent time here, were born here. Um, Pat some Green, them, Pat Green is a great one. You yeah. can't talk Texas music without Pat Green. And yeah, George's Bar is in my playlist. Uh, love, love some Pat mm -hmm. Green. Mm -hmm. Vanguard uh, graduate. Vanguard, you kind of have the bookends here. Van, uh, Pat Green and Vanguard and Wade Bowen at Riker. There's a kind of a competition of the of a yeah. couple of schools here <laughs> yeah. still, as far as uh, 
trying to raise money for the for the school. They and both of them have been always very generous about mm-hmm. coming back to to play for school functions. Oh, that's cool. Um, we've uh, 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 we've we've got an old rock and roll rock and roll hero here in town. Uh, moved here. Back in the early 2000s, Ted Nugent, you see him around town every now and then. You talked about going into politics, uh, Rick. You know, if you need a running mate or something like that <laughs> that embodies your political views, <laughs> I'm thinking you, uh, a, a Nugent tallest ticket would. Uh, I, I don't uh, think he'd have me. I don't think he'd have me. But, uh, but uh, um, yeah, I mean, he's had a storied career and mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting. He's here in Waco, Texas. He's done a lot of things, actually. And you go back to his career that started in the 60s in Detroit, obviously, and uh, the Motor City Madman. Yeah. Uh, but he had a band called the Amboy Dukes that uh, uh, played a number called Journey to the Center of Your Mind. And it was the actually the band that I was in that we, we talked about at length earlier. In the, in uh, the Was it Broken Axe? Yeah, Bro- no, Bent, That was one Bent, of the Bent, Bent Axe. Axe. Bent, okay. Axe, Bent played, Axe was one of them. Had a set where we played uh, several Ted Nugent songs oh. <laughs> uh, back in the mid-70s. So uh, he, uh, um, he's, again, he's a fantastic guitar player. Yeah. Uh, and, so uh, as a guitar player, Jim, what's his contribution? I mean, what is the Ted Nugent style on guitar? You know, he always yeah. he, he was always uh, pretty smart about surrounding himself with uh, good writers. And most of his songs are sung by a guy named uh, Derek St. Holmes, as it mm. turns out. Oh, uh, no and, relation. Uh, no relation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> He's he's very fast. He's very good. He, he's he's uh, uh, again his speed was mm, his. I see. Yeah. He played an old Gibson Birdland guitar, and uh, that's kind of his trademark. But when everybody else was playing with Gibson Les Pauls, more of a rock and roll dude, he was, he stuck with this hollow body Gibson Birdland guitar, which he still plays. And he still he, he if you're in Waco long enough, and uh, he'll show up at some function and be playing. You know, I saw him a couple of weeks ago playing the Star Spangled Banner. You know, he, he still does some of that, mm-hmm. apart from all of his other political ventures. <laughs> um, Billy Joe Shaver, you mentioned him a minute ago. It, talk about an interesting journey. Yeah, but but extremely influential songwriter. I mean, he's a performer as well, but, uh, you, you know... Um, you know, I'm an old chunk of coal has been re- recorded and re-recorded and re-recorded. I heard a Miranda Lambert version of I'm an really? old chunk. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it it continues to have a new life. But, uh, of course, kind of born, right? Waco raised. I mean, yeah. I remember yeah, that, yeah. right? That's yeah. right. 1939. Mm-hmm. Waco arrested. Yeah, that's another <laughs> That's another part of Billy Joe Shavers. <laughs> you can mark several of those these people on that list. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe we'll play, let's play just a bit of, uh, how about old chunk of coal Sounds uh, good. Be great. from Billy Joe Shaver. So let's listen. I'm just an old chunk of coal and I'm going to be a diamond someday. I'm gonna grow and glow till I'm so blue, pure, perfect. Gonna put a smile on everybody's face. I'm gonna kneel and pray every day, lest I should become lame along the way. I'm just an old as chunk of coal now, but I'm gonna be a diamond someday. 
Yeah, so there we hear his writing and his voice. So we hear him as a as a songwriter and as a performer. Yeah. Uh, he also had uh, a couple other interesting parts to his career besides music. He did a little bit of acting. Mm-hmm. He was in some uh, Robert Duvall movies. Yeah, I was uh, actually fortunate enough to meet him down at South by Southwest where that movie, I think it was called Portrait, I had to write this down, Portrait of Billy Joe. Uh, oh, and it was actually yeah. produced by Robert Duvall's wife. Huh. And so we went down to South by Southwest and happened to get in, happened and went to the after party and got to visit with Billy Joe and Robert Duvall and Robert Duvall. So it was kind of a cool thing. So yeah, he's, he's, he's the the movie is fascinating. I mean, the guy has uh, led a, a very interesting life outside of getting his you know fingers cut off and having some unfortunate deals there. Brilliant writer, brilliant writer. Um, wrote Waylon, most of Waylon Jennings' big mm-hmm. hits were all uh, Billy Joe Shavers. Uh, a great uh, lyricist. I mean, some of his lyrics are uh, fantastic. I think of uh, Fast Train to Georgia, uh, just just the way in which he could turn a phrase, really skilled at turning a phrase. And yeah. live, for, live Forever is another great mm-hmm. one. And, and the, the, the Christian message, you know, yeah. that, that, he, uh, that he, he tried to deliver. You know, uh-huh. and that he did deliver is just a he, he was an amazing guy one of a kind yeah and you'd see him playing uh uh in austin at the biggest places with willie nelson and then he did several gigs out at lakeside tavern you know in front of like 12 people <laughs> yeah. you know, but just a, just a neat and cool guy well you mm-hmm. talked about the uh, uh spiritual side of him uh, one of my favorite things about him is he was the spiritual advisor to kinky friedman during his gubernatorial <laughs> run that is, or uh, many gubernatorial yeah. runs. Yeah, I, I I was at the Dallas House of Blues and saw them together. They played together, and I, I bought Kinky a drink that night and, uh, <laughs> yeah, with uh, with, uh, with uh, Billy Joe standing by there. There's uh, kind of another under under appreciated songwriter, Billy Joe Schaefer. Just and he covered he crossed a lot of uh, genres as well, not just country, but uh, also blues and and uh, gospel mm-hmm. and. Just some, like you say, uh, uh, his his he turned a phrase so well. He mm-hmm. wrote this song called uh, "Corsicana Daily Sun." Just um, it's an, got an amazing chorus and verse to it with the Corsicana Daily Sun. He worked, he delivered papers as a kid, the Corsicana Daily Sun, and he turns a phrase about the Corsicana Daily Sun shining down on me, and it's it's a, it's a, one of my favorite songs of his. Yeah, good guy. Yeah, great. Now we're getting into more of Rick's playlist uh, with uh, Jessica Simpson and uh, <laughs> High Jessica Five. and Ashley Simpson, yes. They, high Five. Well, I just want to point out they were from Waco. Uh, uh-huh. They were born in Waco, raised, um, uh, I don't think they were, they were around Fort Worth or somewhere like that. But yeah, the Simpson sisters, they're from Waco for what it's worth. Um, Is the city making any efforts, Jim? To... I, I'll have to check on that one. I'll have to, I'll have to see where well, we're going. Well, and, and in that same vein, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Um, was born in Waco, and yeah, I think she's she has a few albums out. Yeah, yeah. there you go, mm-hmm. Jim. Yeah, work on that one. Um, uh, uh, I was going to talk about some some of the Christian artists from Waco. You know, mm-hmm. with Baylor University here, with you know some of the other resources. There's been a lot of contemporary Christian folks have come through town, or or, uh, but but I think one of them that uh, a lot of people knew was David Crowder. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, was a Baylor student here, helped start University Baptist Church, and then went on to have a, I mean, really top-notch career and still mm-hmm. still very active. Ended up moving to Atlanta at some point in the twenty teens, mm-hmm. um, but uh, left left a 
a mark here on Waco. Well, uh, Rick, you mentioned before we begin recording, I mean, word records, as far as a label goes, extremely influential. Mm -hmm. Uh, This term that emerges in the 1970s, contemporary Christian music uh, in in that field and and all sorts of artists uh, having that label baked having that label based in Waco really made uh, Waco a name in that, in that genre of music. Right. Yeah. Founded in 1951 by Gerald McCracken, who was a a KWTX, back to KWTX, a sportscaster and a ministry student and uh, kind of fell into it. uh, Was, was asked to record some stuff for some youth groups. And then that ended up um, uh, leading him to, you know, kind of producing records and selling them and, uh, you know, was a was a startup business mm-hmm. uh, basically, and ended up getting into selling sheet music and Christian literature, uh, other religious records and educational resources, um, and and grew into a uh, you know a, a, a Christian business powerhouse. Mm-hmm. A lot a lot of people might uh, know when when you're going down um, Waco Drive. So in 1960, they they moved to a new building at uh, 4800 West Waco Drive. You know which building I'm talking about? It'd be right over, uh, not far uh, d- down the road from El Conquistador on that side of the, side of the road towards uh, Highway 6. Um, I can't think what's on the other side of it. But when you look at the front of the building, the awning forms a W. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the old word okay. yeah, mm-hmm. headquarters. That's exactly mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, another name that was, was part of, of word that a lot of people know around here, a person they know, Kurt Kaiser, mm-hmm. uh, joined word in 59 and really helped, uh, find and, and promote a lot of those, uh, artists. Um, but unfortunately Nashville became more and more of a draw for, yeah. uh, not only musicians, but the, the business of recording of recording. So uh, eventually they were purchased and eventually ended up being in Nashville where it still exists today. I mean, it's still an ongoing, mm-hmm. uh, still an ongoing business, but uh, yeah. Word incorporated. Yeah. Um, well, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good slice of Waco, Texas music right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's, we talked about this before we started recording. Let's bring it to now. Yeah. And of course, there's a lot of artists that we could talk about now that many of these artists that we've talked about, their career is ongoing and thriving. But uh, you were talking about uh, what it means to be a recording artist now versus, versus what it meant to be a recording artist then. Right. You don't necessarily have to go to Nashville uh, anymore if you want to make it in the movie business. And you were, I mean, in the music, the music. business. And you were giving me a local example. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, an artist named uh, Forrest Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think he's a former Baylor student, hadn't been out very long, and has a unique style and brand of music that uh, he was part of a band called Surfaces. Mm-hmm. My kids know all about him. Yeah, yeah. and uh, um, he's he lives back here in Waco now, and I think that I don't think they they play together as a band anymore. But unlike where these guys early. Uh, 20th century. I mean, they're traveling around to, you know, cotton festivals and, you know, playing in front of that. Those are the kind of crowds they play in front of and build a name uh, in kind of more of a regional local thing that eventually once radio got going, 
uh, really radio, they didn't play records at first. It was live music. You know, they, they were, they were in studio, uh, with people playing. And like we talked about with Hank Thompson, I mean, that's how he got started. He played a local show. Mm-hmm. And then as, as recording became more and more of a thing and, and that, that technology evolved, of course, it, uh, if, if you're a radio station, it's a lot easier to play records whenever you want to, whatever you want to, than have live talent in the, in the, uh, in the studio. So, uh, as you can see in the fifties and sixties, then records takes over really the, the, the radio, um, genre, which is still the main way these artists are, are going out there, but getting into bigger and bigger audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as we've all lived through, then that becomes the digital revolution, uh, with, with, the uh, DVDs and eventually, of course, I, I, I skipped your favorite eight track tapes and cassettes, mm-hmm. but all right. Still working for me. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, you know, one day we wake up in the two thousands and we've got playlists and it's all digital. It's a digital world. And that, that, uh, progresses to, you know, platforms now like Spotify. Mm-hmm. So back to Forrest Frank, I mean, here's a guy who can record whatever he wants in his, in his home studio, um, that technology's uh, that accessible for just about anyone and publish his own music and, and have his own revenue streams based upon that. You don't, you don't have to go to Nashville. You don't mm-hmm. have to. Yeah. Not to tour. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, the technology uh, where you can, you can do that sitting in your living room, I guess, and, and, uh, and, and get and, and record a song digitally. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know my son does a lot of that. He's a, also a great guitar player and he has some stuff out there i don't want to plug him i just i hadn't thought about that but he does everything don't be ashamed oh come on you're a good dad jim plug him i'll 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 fill it in later uh, with that but anyway great guitar player and good singer but he does a lot of his recording at home and it's yeah you you can so much more accessible and inefficient and i get it uh but it's like, oh, what's the number one song today? You used to go to the billboard once a week and you read the newspaper. Yeah, yeah it's that one. Well, it's already. Casey Kasem. You yeah, listen Casey to Casey Kasem on <laughs> Sunday no night. That's yeah. how you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Sunday afternoon, the top 40. That's a historical artifact now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jim, anybody we missed? So we, we should have made sure we got in to this episode. I just think you were commenting on the current mm-hmm. things, you know, and, and the fact we talked about uh, um, uh David Crowder and Pat mm-hmm. Green and Wade Bowen. Ruthie Foster is also a, a, another. I hate to be plugging the blues here, but uh, mm-hmm. she's no, a great please. blues singer who will actually be in town in a couple of weeks mm. at our uh, at some of the uh, venues that, but that are being put on not only by the city but uh, 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 Fiona Bond has a, a venue that she's that we're doing up on in, in uh, on Bridge Street at the Bridge Street Park up there. Mm-hmm. So Waco has a vibrant music history, and uh, and the fact that we're kind of catching some fresh traction mm-hmm. uh, and, and at the same time appreciating the history of, of what we have here in Waco, I think is an amazing. So, an so amazing Jim, thing. where would be the spots now? If you wanted to go hear good live music in Waco, Texas, where, where's, where are you going to go? Um, backyard is a mm-hmm. great place. I was just there last Saturday night. Yeah. Just knew a great uh, local band, you know, of, of a lot of folks that we know and an old band called Hourglass was playing. Uh, but yeah, there's uh, uh, several places going up, uh, Classy Glass. There's a couple of Baylor places still, um, and uh, there are uh, several venues that where there used to be none. At least now we have backyard. will come in. Plus the city, like I said, as a as a councilman and public servant, uh, I want to make sure that we keep the Brazos uh, Brazos Nights, Brazos Nights, the summer festivals going, which celebrates. That's one thing we're not hitting 
is some of the Hispanic uh, mm-hmm. history of great music, uh, the gospel. I mean, we could get, we could go a hundred directions with this thing, but uh, a lot of venues uh, that are currently here in Waco that we didn't have five or ten years ago. So I'm happy that we're getting some traction with the with the music scene. I want to thank you for the Brazos Nights. I mean, you saw Robert Earl Key on his farewell tour last summer, and just exactly. I mean the. The artists that come in with that are fantastic. It's it's a wonderful free concert. So, if you don't know about that, please check it out because those are that's a great series that happens every summer. Well, Jim, thanks for coming in, uh, joining us on the Waco History. A pleasure. I'm glad to be part of this Crossroads episode. And uh, thanks a lot. Thanks, Rick. Yep. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Waco History Podcast. Like what you heard? Subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes so we can reach more listeners. You can find show notes and info on every episode at wacohistorypodcast.com and more info on Waco's past at wacohistory.org. Our theme music, used with permission, is Cross the Brazos at Waco, performed by the late Billy Walker. For more info on Billy's music, go to billywalker.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.